Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hold on one sec. Okay, everybody, welcome to the program. Tonight is a very special shear. We're doing it um, in honor of Shuvu. They're the one that put together the event tonight, and it's going to be an amazing program. We're so excited to have all the good people with us. for coming. Um, again, I want to thank everybody who comes on every week for posting up, letting everybody know about our shear um, every Sunday night here in Lakewood. The first exception, exception to the rule this, the, tonight. And we're going to have a good time again. I always want to thank our sponsors, uh, advertising sponsors, for putting us out there. The Liquid Scoop, for it's actually streaming live on a lot of websites, so it's streaming live there. A special thank you to Rabbi and Hazak for putting it out. A special thanks to Chayla Kaufman, Shul Summer, JCN Content Network, for always promoting us across all Jewish platforms. Again, this Sunday we have a share with Dr. Jacob Friedman from uh, Israel, top Israeli psychologist from Shvacha Magazine. That's still on for this Sunday. Nothing changed. Um, again, let's get a little overview for tonight, what, what's, what we're looking at. Tonight's event was brought to you by Shuvu. They have a new initiative for, for, for all their Talmudim and students, which they're going to be discussing tonight. We're going to get into that a little bit. That's, that's the main part of the program, but we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, they're having all the people that they were made from over the years to learn to be Messiah Mekolotar Akula, talking about you know, Tanakh and Bavli with thousands of past students. And they're setting up with Chavrusas. And we're going to get into details how we could be involved and how we could really help this tremendous, tremendous organization that's been around from, I don't know, since I remember, and I would see Rabbi Ruven Feinstein from the Nasi from the, from the, from the, from the Moisid, which we'll speak about in a minute. Um, again, we'll start with Rabbi Ruven Feinstein. He's going to talk about a little bit about Shuvu, what it is, then we'll get into Coach Menachem. We'll open up what we're talking about, Charlie Rari, and then we'll get into some live questions. And then, Metashem, hopefully, if he gets on, Rabbi Michal Gutman, the director of Shuvu in Artisrol, with boots on the ground, we'll talk, talk about the new initiative and what he's, what he's involved in. And Rabbi Eisenberg from Shuvu will, uh, get, will give us some bottom line tips, what we could do to uh, get involved and really make a big difference. So, Kavu Gadol to Amirim, Amir Shiva. So, Amir Shiva, Shkayach. It's a big, big cover for me to introduce uh, on the Gadol Hadar, Ruben Feinstein to the Shir, to open up with the Bracha. Floor is yours. Okay. Uh, this evening's, I'm on? Yeah. yeah. This evening topic of how to bring out the best in our kids uh, is really an inspirational evening. And I saw the people that you have to speak. Uh, Hashem, they're one of the best speakers that I have for inspirational speakers. I myself was only supposed to be here to give a bracha, but you know, like once you have the microphone, you know, you, you have to put in your two cents. So I want to just add something to tonight's topic. Uh, one thing is that our children and even ourselves are a lot bigger than we think we are. And that's the part that we have to really understand. They have a story of Reb Zushet. Years ago, and he used to always say about himself, they're not going to ask me in the other world, why weren't you like a Tana or an Amira or Rishan? They're going to ask me, why weren't you Zusha? In other words, everybody 
has the ability to be bigger than they really are. And I guess the question becomes, how do you even start them off on this way? One way is, I guess, that first the kid should always feel there is a place in his family. He's not, he's not just a left out kid. We only care about the good kids, the, the, uh, the kid that, that, that's Baruch Hashem, the big Talmud Chochem, the one bringing on the, the, all the good marks. But every child has to have a mokim in the family, whether he's the, 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 bird, the electrician, or the guy who fixed the cars, or the computer, doesn't make a difference, but he's the one they go to for that subject, and therefore he's the one that has a place in the family. And by having that chaos of being feeling secure, that he's a part of the family, then you can understand and give him that he has to live a life of uh, a Yiddish life of morality, uh, what do you call it, honesty, integrity, and, uh, the, and, and paramount to all of this is Limanateh. But he first has to feel secure in his in himself. Um, Shuvu is very good in this. I I didn't believe it myself until I saw it. That the the actually take kids was made it has a life of its own. It was made originally for Russian children, but now it works for Israeli kids, American kids, kids who are coming from really nowhere. And they actually become They actually know how to learn. It's not just that they throw them a couple of things to make it sound like a yeshiva or something. But they give them actually the ability to learn a black gemara, to understand it and so on. And whatever part of life they think they go into, they have that part that they're going to be at least and and I think there's even some that went into the actual system that started out and became Baruch Hashem teachers and I think even one of the principal of the actual schools. That's how productive they are. My wife, God, was very good in this. I can't, uh, I'd like to explain one thing that I think it's how she looked at people and, and how she looked at herself. It was a joke, really. But you know, you go to places would they ask you, how tall are you? And she would always say, and she was 5'2". And she always say, I'm 5'6". And uh, the person would say, you know, you don't look it. And she says, well, I'm short from my height. And that's exactly what she meant. I'm short from my height. I'm really 5'6", but I'm on a 5'2 body. I'm bigger than I am. Uh, that's, I think, the part that we must always feel that we have. Now, I guess I got to get to the bracha now. We all give our children bracha. Now, it's a little strange. You give a bracha, be like number one, like number two. It doesn't make any sense. Usually you pick your one of the biggest. You ask someone to be like the biggest. So why did we have a fine menashe? They are the only two that will reach their potential in, in chutzlah, it's in, in, in goals, if you want to put it that way. We're in goals. Whether Nazi soil in America, it doesn't make a difference, we're in goals. And we're trying to reach our potential. They are both our models, whether they became the big Talmud Chochum, whether they became the, the, the courtier, or whatever it is that they, they, they did, they become, 
it's irrelevant as long as they know that they've been a Torah and that the Torah is paramount in their, in their lives. That is basically what we want. So the bracha that we give to our children is we should be to see it in our children and not only to see it in our children, but in ourselves. Amen. Again, I'm saying, Rabbi, the Oilam's asking you to come on for a share, so I'm just letting you know. <laughs> okay, tonight we're going to be talking with Mr. Charlie Rara, who's here. We're going to be talking and we're tying it into Shuvu, unlocking greatness in ourselves and our kids and others. And um, that's going to be the topic tonight. And our host, Coach Menachem, will open up to get into that, and then we'll go to Mr. Harari. First of all, it's a real honor, and I want to give a personal shkoyach for the Rosh Hashiva to be with us. And it's taka a big schos and a big honor. So I want to welcome everyone to the special edition on Let's Get Real with Kosh Menachem. And I'm glad to see you all on a Wednesday night. Get to see you in the middle of the week. We'll get to meet not only on Sundays. So tonight's special edition is brought to us by Shuvu. And I would say sometimes we need to see what's going on by to see what we can do to uh, sometimes we take for granted when we grow up and we have everything around us. Some, I, I remember years ago when I sat into a class in Aish and it was very inspiring trying to figure out why don't they give these classes in the in BMG. <laughs> but sometimes it's good to go to look out. So hopefully tonight we'll hear a little bit about that and about the topic how to bring out the best in our kids and in others. I think we forgot somebody over there. Or, or that's what it means. Um, how can we? We forgot about myself. Before I start bringing out the best in the kids or in others, I have to first see the good, the best of myself. So the truth is sometimes it is easier to look by other people because we could be critical on ourselves. The best to see the best on myself, mm, uh, I could do better. It's hard to see it on yourself. So it might be easier to start with the kids or with others, but ultimately it really should start to know if you're in a good place to see that you're, what you're doing for Yiddishkeit, whatever you're learning, your avoider, and to be able to um, relate to that. Sometimes they're in a voice saying, you're not doing good, you have to do better. Um, you should do different, it can be very critical. And once we can do it for ourselves, we can start doing it for others and give it over to our kids. So, and I want to thank uh, Charlie for being us tonight. We'll be able to ask live our questions and we'll be able to hear much more what Shuva does all around the world. Shkoyach. Charlie Arari, world famous. Speaker, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you. Uh, to, to, to you guys, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, this is my second time on, I think. So it's a schuss to be back. And I think Shuvu uh, had the opportunity to be with them a couple years ago. Um, they're doing incredible stuff. 
and I hope tonight, by the time the night's over, you have a good sense of just the extent of how they're bringing out the greatness in other people and the people that are brothers and sisters. So much of who we are is based on us as a nation. And sometimes when we are blessed to be around people like that look like us, that seem to have similar hashkafas than us, we forget just how many of our own are out there that need the chance to taste the sweetness of Torah that we have. And so I look forward to tonight and thank you so much for inviting me. And I wanna just sort of begin with the idea of unlocking greatness in ourselves and others. And hopefully we'll, by the end of the night, we'll tie it all together. You know, it's amazing that the Kodesh Baruch Hu, when you see in the Torah, the Torah doesn't give out compliments that frequently. Rarely does him stop and say, by the way, Avraham, yeah, he's amazing. Like, as you tell in the story of Yitzchak, there's no commentator. You don't, you, there aren't people like, you know, sort of giving the play-by-play -play going, by the way, did everyone see what just happened? Yitzchak had his neck on the line and he almost died. Like, stop. You get it very rarely. Moshe is an anav, right? Noach is a tzaddik. But very rarely when we're talking about people in Torah, there's the Kodesh Baruch who stop and say, this person is really killing it. Like he's doing amazing. Especially when it comes to being Matzliach. That's what we want to be in life. We want to be Matzliach. We want to unlock the greatness is our way of saying, I want to be successful in life. I want to have a successful marriage. I want to have a successful parenting. I want to be successful in my career. I want to be successful in my Yiddishkeit. Greatness is a pathway, if you will, to achieving success in the different areas of our lives. And almost never does the Kodesh Baruch who pause and go, him, he's killing it. He's successful. With one glaring exception. Who am I speaking about? The one and only Yosef Atzadik. Right? If you think about it, Yosef Atzadik, I mean, what an incredible story. Someone who has achieved success both in the area of Ruchnius and in the area of Gashmias. And I once heard this idea from a Rosh Hashiva in my neighborhood of Mordechai Kamenetsky. I want to share this with you. I'll, I'll never forget his part that he told me that I want to share tonight. Imagine as if you are waiting online to see the Gadol Hador. Okay, Gadol Hador comes to town. The Rebbe, whoever it is, and people are waiting online for brachas. And it's a small town, so you want to introduce yourself to the Rav, let's say. And imagine as if you're sitting online and you have with you three children, three sons, and you want to introduce the rabbi to your sons. So you line up and you wait your turn, and the rabbi goes to introduce me to your boys. And beaming, you bring your first son in and go, my bachor, what can I say? He's mamish, the, the gadol of this town, Rosh Hashiva. He answers all the questions. He's, he's the place of people for Eitzes. He's holding in Nigla and Nister. He's up in the middle of the night. He's mamish like an Iluyan. And the rabbi goes, wow. Oh, Nachas. Second son. Goes, choose me to your second boy. Because my second son, well, he couldn't really sit, but, you know, he left. But he's the tremendous Kavir. Started this business and that business. He's on all these different maestas. He's raising money. He's supporting people. He's building maestas for Klal Yisrael. He's mamish the askin of the town. And the Rav says, Phew, nachas. And he goes, yeah. 
goes, and your third son. It goes, oh, my third son. And the, and the parent's getting a little schemish. Goes, the third son is like, no, what's, he goes, my third son, he's a butler. It's like, what? He goes, a butler. He goes, well, what, what's a butler? He goes, well, you know, it, school didn't really work for him. It's a guy in town. He's got a, he's a wealthy man and he hires him and, you know, he makes his coffee and he cleans the kitchen and he makes sure that dinner is served properly. And he's very good at his job and he, you know, cleans the house and the big rub stops and he goes, your first son was Chashev. Your second son was Chashev, but your third son, ah, that's Hatzlacha. What would you say? Rabbi, have you been paying attention? Like, did you did you meet the first two? I'm sorry, did, did I miss something over here? Like, yeah, no, I, I'm all for, the, I, I love my child, but like, really? We have three versions of Yosef HaTzadik. Three versions. Version one, He's the Gadol Hador. He's, he is the one in the Shifte Ka that's sitting all day next to Yaakov Inu getting downloaded the Messiah. He's the one with the Ketanis Pasim, which is not just a physical coat. He's the one who is the one chosen to be the one to carry the Messiah of our people. He was the Gadol Hador, learning from the Gadol Hador. No mention of Atzlacha, by the way. No moment. Did the Kodesh Baruch Hu say, uh-huh, Yosef, 17, overcame the challenge of losing his mom? We have another version of Yosef Atzadik. He's running the world's food, which as Jews, we realize how chashev that is. He has cornered the market in agriculture. He's the smartest businessman in the world. He figured out a way to get Paro to put him in charge of all of everything. He figured out a way to get people to pay in real estate. He owns properties. He owns food distribution. He builds warehouses. He's the Askin of the world. Nothing. Abish doesn't stop him and go, by the way, you see Yosef? Ah, uh-huh. like, can you, can you imagine? You want to know when the Kaddish Baruch who says Yosef is in Ishmat Sliach? The Pasuk says, Ve'yi Hashem es Yosef is Ishmat Sliach. You know who he became? An Ishmat Sliach. Ve'yi Bebeis Hadoinav HaMitzri. You know when the Kaddish Baruch who says, Ah, Hatzlacha? The butler. That's Hatzlacha? That's the moment that the Kaddish Baruch who wants to pause the Abishta couldn't wait till we were done with the story of Yosef and said, by the way, Yosef, look what he overcame. He pauses right there while he is making the coffee for Potiphar, while he's cleaning up the latrines, while he's making sure the food's okay. The Kodesh Baruch looks down and goes, ah, Malachim, what do you think? Ah, Hatzlacha. What's going on? So let's talk about Hatzlacha. Abishta's Hatzlacha. We live in a world where the world shows us Hatzlacha. Our communities show us what Hatzlacha is. But it's not really Hatzlacha if the Kurdish Baruch doesn't think it's Hatzlacha. If we're being Matzlech in Hashem's eyes, that's the Hatzlacha that we're after. How in the world does Hashem see Yosef as Matzlech in the house of Potiphar? So I want for a minute for us to be Yosef. And feel for a second what it must have been like to wake up in the house of Potiphar. Eight years old. You're coming back from you're coming back from your from your grandfather's home back into Canaan. 
and around eight, 10, you're a kid. Your mom is pregnant with, a, with, a, with, a, with another child. When your father comes back into the tent and you say, daddy, what, what, what did mommy have? A boy, it will be Shalom Zacher, chocolate cover pretzels. I miss school, I wear a vest for the, bar, for the bris. And daddy goes, honey, we had a boy. And he goes, a oh, boy, amazing. Can I see mommy? And Yaakov has to tell Yosef Tzadik, mommy's in Shemayim. No one else said Shiva for their mom. All the other brothers went back to their moms at night. And to climb and to climb and to climb and to climb and to overcome and overcome and overcome. To be 15, 16, Hasaga's dreams. 17 years old, sits by the house. Finally, he's able to be a human being. He's thinking, he's dreaming. His father gives him Katina's Pasim. And one day his father says to him, do me a favor. Go to your brothers. And he walks to his brothers and the unthinkable happens. Listen, I don't know if anyone here is raising boys, you understand. Boys will be boys. And I'm not comparing the shifte ka to regular boys, but just derech tzchoik. You understand? When I tell over the story of Yosef at Tzadik, just for the, for the room, I just want to let you know, when I tell over the story of Yosef at Tzadik, the only people that are not moved that brothers sold brothers are mothers that are raising boys. You understand? Because usually the mom that's raising a whole bunch of boys going, what, he sold his brother? Yeah, that happened like six times to me. Oh, yeah, my, my youngest was sold like 20 times. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because as they say, you know, they say that if a, if a woman has more than four boys, she goes straight to Gan Eden. You know that, that Bart? She goes straight to Gan Eden? Used to be seven, but a Bosco came out and said, you know what? We're going to four. And by the way, your husband counts as one. So just letting you know, th there's hope. But to think, but to think, as bad as it gets, and it got bad, to think Yosef Hatzadik would walk to see his brothers and end up on a caravan sold into slavery. When Yosef woke up that next morning, what should he have been thinking if he was any, if he had any sense of normalcy, what should he be thinking? Really? This is what I get, Kaddish Baruch This is what you give me? It's not bad enough how I grew up. It's not hard enough to be without a mom. It's not hard enough to be picked up by my brothers. It's not hard enough to be the one that's different, really? Two days ago, I was sitting in, in the, at the lap of Yaakov Avinu. A minute ago, I was drinking from the words of my father, and now I'm serving this guy coffee. Where are you? Alone? You know what Yosef does the first day on the job? What does it mean, Ishmatzliach? So the Medrash, the Tanchum, it says. Listen to this part, just for one more minute. He saw Hashem. My, what does it mean, Hashem Mito? He woke up in the morning, you know what Yosef said? Hashem, all I got is you. You're with me. 
Yosef Hayamavorach Lakadosh Brochu Al Kol Dava Vadavar Shaya Oise. Vaya Adonov Ra also Malachesh Befiv. You know what it means that Kadosh Brochu is with them. Yosef woke up the next morning. He got himself up. They threw water in his face. He can barely get through the day. He's still missing his parents. He's still thinking about his mother. And he goes, the Kurdish turns to the Kurdish Brochu and goes, It's me and you, Hashem. Thank you for bringing me here. Help me out. I need you. I got the coffee ready, thank you. I fixed the table, thank you. And it says that the, they saw him whispering, they thought he was doing magic. And they realized that what he was doing was he was talking to the Kurdish Baruch Hu. The Kurdish Baruch Hu looks down and goes, for real? For real? I put you in the middle of the world, I put you in the bottom pit and you wake up in the morning and you say thank you to me? I stuck you in the worst place in the world, the Kodesh Baruch Hu says, and you have the ability to stand up and say thank you. You have the ability to still turn to me for every single thing that Hashem says is Hatzlacha. Because you think you impressed me with your wisdom? Guess what? I gave you the brain. You think you impressed me with your money? Guess what? I gave you the money. You know what impresses me, the Abishta says? It impresses me when you want to be with me when I don't give you everything on a silver platter. When I put you through challenge and you come back and go, where am I going? You're my dad. Where can I run? When I push you against the wall, when I give you something that's hard and you don't turn on me, when you look up at me, when things are going upset and you look up and you say, Hashem, I need you now more than ever. Where am I running? If as far as I feel like I am, all I can run to is you, the Kush Baruch is, what, you still running to me? Wait, are you still coming to me? You haven't abandoned me because things didn't work out perfectly for you? Your plan for the world didn't come through and you still, wait, you believe that I still know how to run a world even though life isn't sweet? You know what that is in my book, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says? That's being matzliach. Stick to the plan, you Matzlich, and you're going to see Hatzlacha like you've never seen in your whole life. What does it mean to unlock greatness? So we can talk about it from a psychological perspective and all that. Let's talk from a Yiddish perspective. You know what it means to unlock greatness? What it means is that me and you wake up in the morning and look up and say, whatever's going on in my day, I have you and I am hopeful and I know that you're with me, Hashem. What it means to be matzliach for real is to be able to wake up every single day, look at the challenges in front of us and have a sense of hope, of positivity, because we know that the way the Kurdish Baruch Hu works is Yeshua's Hashem keheref ayin. We can be looking at Haman building gallows for our leaders there could be a, we can be looking at a world where there's a signed and sealed decree for our annihilation and in a second Abishta can turn it around. We could be staring at a yam and turning around and there's Mitzrim behind us and in a second we can be on the other side and they're swallowed up. We can be staring at anything and the Kurdish Baruch Hu could save us from it. So when a Jew wakes up in the morning, he needs to understand and realize that whatever challenges I have may be not the detour to my success. It may be actually the pathway to my success. Hatzlacha begins by recognizing that no matter where I am, I am with my Father in heaven. Hatzlacha begins by understanding that the Kurdish Baruch Hu doesn't abandon me when things go in the way that I don't know. Hatzlacha begins in recognizing that every single day that I have, 
anything is possible. We think this is like motivation. This isn't motivation. This is actually how great people operate. This is actually in the minds of people that are matzliach. And if you look at the lives of people that are matzliach, usually you will find that their greatest hatzlachas come when they are able to walk through challenge. When they're able to look at a world and say, I'm going to make it better. I'm able to get through this. So how does it work? I'll do one more minute and then I'll pause and then we can continue on and I'll come back. I want to add two more pieces to this. At the core root of every bit of Hatzlach in our lives comes in our relationship with Hashem, but like a real relation. If we still think that the Kurdish Baruch Hu is a online vending machine that we buy things for, if we still think that God is Amazon.God and we buy things and like he needs stuff and I need stuff, you know the game? He needs like, you know, tefillahs and foods and clothing and I need health, happiness and some money. And like, we make a deal. You know that move? I'll dive in. I'll do schoolers. You hook me up. And if we've been diving something for a while and we don't get it, we're like, I don't understand what's going on. Like Amazon has prime. Like what's taking you so long? If we're in that role of like, here's how it works, Hashem, like I'll do for you, you do for me. We're out. Hatzlacha begins in the world of Hashem never leaves me and I never leave him forever. Hashem never judges to see if he loves me. His love is unconditional. Me being good is how I follow the wisdom of the creator of the universe, not how I buy Hashem's love. If we don't have these at a level that it's in our core, we don't have the foundation of Hatzlacha. But there's another piece that I want to get it. And then one more word. And then just wave me off when I'm done. Reb is wave me off when I'm done, okay? Two more quick things. You know what's amazing? Two more practical things about Hatzlacha. The core, it's us and Hashem. But it goes a little further. It's amazing when you look what he was matzliachin. The Medrash says something amazing. What was he matzliachin? Like, what was his Hatzlacha? We say like Hashem was made him matzliach. What did the Kodesh Baruch Hu do? Here's what he did. Tanchuma says that when Yosef would come in with a certain type of wine, Potiphar would go, I don't want sweet wine. I want bitter wine. And he would bring the cup and it would turn bitter. And he would go, no, no, no I want aged. And then the cup would turn aged. And he goes, no, no, I actually want, I want uh, boiled wine. And whatever he wanted, he became, that became. And he would daven for what's in front of him. We seem to think that Hatzlach is macro. We make it when we make it. When we, when we achieve the goal at the end of some period of time, we're Matzliach. That's not really where Hatzlach takes place. You know Hatzlach really takes place? Five inches in front of our faces. Hatzlach really is, how am I in the next 10 minutes? Right now I'm in front of my family. How am I in front of my family? I want to be at Sliach with my kids at the table today. How am I at work? Guess what? My head goes down and if I've given my employers an hour, I want to be at Sliach at work. I'm sitting in shul. I want to be at Sliach at Shachris. I'm sitting and learning. I want to understand what I'm doing. I'm talking to a human being at a table. They need chizik. I want to be at Sliach at the chizik. Really, at Slacha is when I look at the things that are right in front of me and say, Hashem, help me out. I want to be amazing in the next 10 minutes. 
sometimes we look back and we want to be matzliach in the big things and we forget that we have a whole life along the way. If I could be matzliach in the next 10 minutes, then I'm matzliach right now. And that continues and continues and continues until one day I wake up, I just change the standard of how I live. But where did Yosef get this from? So let me end with this. The next episode, there's a little bit of a secret that tells us Yosef's secret to his success. How Yosef was able to live in this environment no matter what was going on, he found Hashem. In the next scene, Aisha's Potiphar wants to do the wrong thing and Yosef does the right thing. And Yosef runs out and the Medrash says, why did he run out for? And the Medrash says, but also Shah at that moment, Yosef looked at the mirror and he saw Yaakov. He saw his dad and he ran out. So I heard a great vart from Cheski Kaftal. Cheski Kaftal is in a tremendous askin. He told me this vart years ago. I never forgot it. I believe he quoted the Svasemes. It's so good, it's probably the Svasemes. You know, the Svasemes has like a tfisa on like some of the greatest varts of all time. So it's the Maharal of the Svasemes. Like it's gotta be like, you know, there's a diff- different sugim. This is what he says, listen to this. He says, Yosef didn't see Yaakov. He didn't see his father's face. Yosef saw his face, but what he saw was his face of the way his father saw him. Yosef didn't see Yaakov, he saw how Yaakov looked at him. When Yaakov looked at Yosef, his brothers thought they were crazy, but Aviv Shamar Asadavar, Yaakov believed in Yosef to the end of the world. Yosef was in the worst place. He looked out and he goes, there's no way I can overcome this challenge. And he looks at his father. He looked at the way his father looked at him. He says, if my father believes in me this much, there's something about me that I need to believe in myself. You know how you bring out the kayak of somebody else? You know how you infuse the abishter in somebody else that can overcome any single challenge? You don't got to say the right words. You don't got to have the right line. You don't got to quote the right vart. You know what you need to use? Your eyes. Your eyes. When you look at that kid and go, wow, you have no idea how big you are. When the kid looks at you and goes, Kurdish Baruch hates me. And you go, yeah, he does. You just broke him. When you look at the Kurdish Baruch hates you and go, Kurdish Baruch hates you? It's impossible. When we start to look around and see each and every one of us as the, as the Ben and the Bas of the Melech and believe it, we start to see things in them that they can't see in themselves. We start to give them something that they didn't know existed. We give them a relationship with the creator of the universe. And when someone has a relationship with the creator of the universe, there is no greater greatness that can get unlocked than that. That's what Shuvu does. That's what Shuvu does. They look at people and go, you have no idea how great you can be. They look at people and go, you have no idea how much Hashem loves you. And they say things and they do things, of course, but really they're godless is in their eyes. And my bracha, and we look forward to tonight, my bracha to this holy chevra, 
is that we never forget that the kayach that we have is in our enayim. To see the godless in every situation, to see the godless in who we are, and maybe, maybe, most importantly, to use our eyes to see the godless in everybody around us. Because I got to tell you, you'll have no idea. There could be a kid that you look at, you may be the first person that looks at him and sees something that no one has seen in before. And if we're Zohar to be able to do that, it will be Zohar, I believe, to unlock so much greatness in a way that is beyond what's possible. My brach is that we are this way, we be this, we continue this way. And I turned it back um, to the hosts of this phenomenal program to continue on and look forward to staying with you the whole way through. Thank you. Okay. Um, we have a bunch of questions that came in and we have a few live questions. Are we ready for any live yet? Okay. Michal, you're on. If you can ask, you can... Robert. Okay, hi. Hi. Thanks for uh, having me. Um, I guess I got some of my answers uh, with the last speakers. I, I really think that I need to stay positive and uh, give some uh, positive affirmation, even when I'm uh, many times um, I don't, I mean, uh, I completely don't know where to go with a certain behavior. And so, um, so to remember that I'm first the adult here <laughs> and I'm the one that can maybe give him some information and help him basically uh, see himself in a positive and uh, place that he can, uh, yeah, uh, see his amazing thing about himself. But I guess my question was before uh, was, um, uh, I have many questions, but I guess I'll try uh, the one that uh, when you are myself uh, divorced and uh, two people are completely different and giving completely different um, approach, but also chinuch. Uh, and uh, everything is completely different. And my child, unfortunately, go back and forth between these two worlds in completely different worlds. So he's in one world, he's doing that. In the other world, he's completely not doing anything. And so, and he's getting older. And how do you bridge that uh, two world? And so as much as I can do, I need that it will come from him that he's going to want to want to choose this world and not uh, think that I'm just saying that or. Uh, that's, so. that's a fabulous question. I just want to let you know, uh, we had a similar question like that. So just when you have two parents, oh, she's divorced that are just going two different ways and the kid's getting ripped apart, I guess, between being from or not. Yes, and one is from and one is completely something else. So if I can jump in. Um, Thank you so much for your question. I'll give you some of some ideas that I'm thinking about. And of course, it's not uh, exclusive. I'm sure there are plenty of other you know, ways of going about it, but let me just give you my thoughts. The first thing we have to always remember is that a life with Hashem is the greatest life you can live. If some people could be very religious and in their core believe that the people that are less are maybe having more fun or having a, a much more exciting life, there is nothing greater. Not, I don't mean greater like in Olam Haba greater. 
I don't mean greater like schar after you die greater. I mean like right here, right now, there is no greater way to live your life than in relationship with Hashem. Period, end of story. The challenge is when we have people that are, that don't have enough understanding of that. So the physical world seems very attractive and it lures us in and goes, no, no, the taste this, do this, come on, this is fun. And it doesn't give anybody the patience, the, the godless, if you will, to wait, to get deep, to realize that what well, the Kodesh who has in line for you may not be physically as exciting this second, but trust me, if you follow the plan, he built the place, he sort of knows how to run the place. And so when you're dealing with children, they don't have, as they say, mochin the godless, they don't have the mindset to know how to immediately delve in choosing a life of deep spiritual connection versus a life of easy physical pleasures. And so when the kids are younger, it's normal for them sometimes if they've got two different worlds to gravitate towards the easier, more comfortable, more physically pleasing world. When it comes to that struggle that you're in the middle of, sometimes if you pull too hard, you end up creating a negative backlash. So not only is it more physically pleasing to go do that stuff, when I go to the more religious part, I always feel guilty. So like, I gotta like walk in and feel like I'm not doing enough and, and I'm not religious now. And like, God's mad at me. And because I did this thing, I'm gonna go to like Gehenna. And all these thoughts, by the way, that no one even says many times, they just think it. And then there's panic. If he doesn't get it done by this age and by this age and by this age, oh my gosh, he's this age, he's this age. So that panic and that guilt starts to get into the head of the child. And he's got now a choice between panic, guilt, and negativity, and just like chill, relax, do whatever you want-ness of the outside world. And all these well-intentioned people are in a way driving their loved ones even further away, they don't even realize it. The greatest thing you can do for your child is to exaggerate the happiness that you feel by being who you are. When I mean exaggerate, I don't mean to show off, I mean to exaggerate. If you're happy being connected to Hashem, show even more happiness. If you appreciate doing a mitzvah, infuse it so that you're glowing when he's around. When you sit at a Shabbos table and you have him, the Shabbos table should be as positive as it possibly can be, because here's what's happening. Brains are what they call neuroplastic, which means when you see something, it becomes conditioned in your mind, even if you don't realize it. So all of us don't even realize that the world around us, the Western world, conditions us more than we think. When you're in front of something, you have exposure to it, and it becomes part of you. What your child needs more than anything in the world is a human being that is modeling the joy of being connected to Hashem. He needs to walk into your world and like sense the warmth and the simcha of the schus of what it feels like to be a yid. He doesn't have to make a difference in his life today or tomorrow or next week or next year. He just needs to feel your love, your warmth. And here's the most important thing. He needs to feel Kodesh Baruch Hu's love for him.
teenage years are very confusing. If we go too quickly and start telling them that Hashem's mad at you, you, can, you can't even imagine the damage. When you are projecting positivity and enthusiasm and depth and meaning both for yourself and for him, and you just keep strong, he starts to see what Yiddishkeit really is. And it may take him a while, but let me tell you something. If he's a Yid, there'll be moments in his life where he'll say, that's all it. He'll get through the physical stuff and go, that's it. Like this is like, again, like another time, like that's all I got. But he'll have in his heart a whole nother way that was modeled for him. And he'll have his mom with her arms wide open waiting for him. And if you do that, and you accompany with that an enormous amount of tefillah to the Kurdish Baruch Hu all the time, and staka for his merit, so you always got to make sure you have staka there as well, because that's what always changes Shemayim. If you daven, if you get staka, and you show him positivity, I think, you're putting yourself in a position to show him really what it's like, and give him a pathway home when he's ready. Charlie, somebody emailed this question, and it's a, it's a great question, and I want to jump into that. We have like three, four live ones. Uh, Charlie, I love your motivational snippets. I listen to them all the time, but I still get my, I still can't get my act together when I'm inspired. I feel like God bless you. the world, a few minutes later, I'm back in the same old fear. Yeah. What is missing? Uh, nothing's missing. You're phenomenal. God bless you. The fact that you're still listening shows that you're amazing. So there's nothing wrong with you. You're human. You're a human being. It's hard to grow. If, if if it wasn't, it wouldn't be hard to grow. You wouldn't be saying Tachlan all the time, have a month for Chuva, followed by another 10 days for Chuva. David knows what he's talking about. It's hard for you to, to, to grow. You're amazing. Let me give you a, a bit of advice. Let's just talk a little science. Remember, your brain is neuroplastic, which means it is adaptable. So whatever you do consistently over time becomes part of your neurostructure. Right? Charlie, I'm going I'm to put a twist on the question. After, soon we're going to have... Reb Chaim Michal from Eretz get us excited and inspired about Shuvu, and we're all going to want to do something. We want to keep it after tonight's speech. So okay. we're going to add that. Okay, here it goes. Here it goes. Okay, let me just tell you this, this right? Let's just talk the science, and then we can we can layer on the Ruchnius. Um, so your mind, remember, it's adaptable. It changes with your thoughts. You keep on thinking something consistently, it will feel normal. Let me give you an example. If you, if you remember as a kid or you're raising kids, you understand that sometimes, usually for my boys, there's a practice we want them to do called brushing their teeth. And especially my boys seem to forget. So every other day or whatever it is, I'm hearing my wife go, honey, you have to brush your teeth. And they'll go, I I'm sorry, mom, downstairs, I'll do it tomorrow. And she goes, mm, that's not how it works, right? And they bang up the stairs, they brush their teeth. I hope the people in this room, the people that are watching now, brushed their teeth this morning and didn't even remember. You, ever, you remember when, you, 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 when, did, when did it happen? You have no idea. Do you ever get to work back in the old days? When I mean old, I mean last February, when you drove to work. Remember the good old days when you actually went to a human place to work? We didn't work on a screen. Do you ever get to work and like not remember how you got there? You ever have that experience? Like, how did I even get here? Like, I woke up this morning and now I'm at my desk. Ever had that? Do you ever dive in chakras and you start taking off by like Baruch Atta and you're like, wait, Shomea Tefillah? Like, wait, did I? And that's why everyone hates switches. Mashi Baruch Moridegeshim. Like, oh man, you ever had that feeling? Because you have no idea. What happened? How come you can't even pay attention? Here's how it works scientifically. Because when your brain has a consistent thought, brush your teeth every day, daven every day, drive every day, over time, it becomes so ingrained that you stop even thinking it's an automatic behavior. That's called change. Change is when you take things that require 
conscious thought and make them automatic. When you were a kid, you couldn't get the spoon to your mouth. Now it's automatic. You've changed. What you have to do is learn how to hack your brain. You hack your brain by doing something very small and very consistent. Because what that does is it actually changes the way you think. And it makes it automatic. So you come out of a speech, you're excited. And by the way, this isn't like, we've been hearing this in most of our whole lives, but here's the science behind it. When you take something that you do at the same time, small, that you're not going to lose it. You don't need tons of motivation to continue going. Small. And you do it again and again and again and again. Do it for 10 days. Do it for two weeks. Do it for 20. If you want to be more like, uh, you know, Kabbalah, 21 days or 49 days. Do it for a period of time. And just, that's it. Don't worry about it after that period of time. What's going to happen is just by doing the small little thing, it's going to become normal. And it's become automatic. And now you're not going to have to worry about it anymore. Make one phone call, dive in one feel longer, uh, do one thing and don't worry about being a gadolador overnight. If you can hold one thing for two weeks, three weeks, and that's it, be stark about it, your brain will go, oh, that's what we do at 9 a.m.? Oh, that's what we do at 10, 15? Oh, that's before. And then over time, you won't even realize you did it. It'll become automatic. And then you'll do one more thing. And then as soon as you do like three or four of these, you go through a half a year, you, you start realizing, holy cow, I can actually change. And that's it. Once you realize that you can change, the world is open. And you realize that you have the capacity. If you take the time, la'at, la'at, the Abishter is patient. We're the ones who want to be, you know, superstars overnight. The Abish is like, take your time, relax. I gotcha. I believe in you. Just be moving in the right direction. You climb the mountain slowly. If we do that, then I believe that's how we change. Okay, we have a bunch of live questions. Let's take one more, and then Michal and and uh, Mordechai, we're going to get into that, and we're going to go back to Charlie. Let's just take one more live. Ready? Hi, I'm you. Let's press star six. Press star six on the phone. You're on. Yeah, hi, thank you. Um, so basically... Um, I'm going through a very rough time um, in my marriage now, and it will get worse. It might get to a divorce. Um, it could possibly be divorce, right? I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm doing my best. And they say it's not my fault, but I'm angry. Like, why is it happening? I can't anymore. So... I, I don't know what the particulars of the, of, of the relationship, so I can't comment on any of that. I, I'll comment on one thing. You have a certain amount of power every day. You have a certain amount of willpower, as they say, right? You have a certain amount of kayach. So you wake up in the morning, picture your kayach like a gas tank. And there's only so much you can drive. And then at the end of the night, you're done. Whenever we face challenges, the greatest drain to our kayak is figuring out why. Why is this happening for? When we try to figure out, not why to fix it, like why, like why me? When we get into That's the- That's my question. Right, so let me just share with you. When we get into the world of why me, what we're doing is we're entering into what we call the Abishter's world. 
And when you go into the Kurdish Baruch Hu's world, if you're not the Kurdish Baruch Hu, you're, you're, you're in a failing proposition. So you'll never really know why you. And depending on who you ask, it'll give you different reasons. For all you know, this is a tsaria going through that you'll see in your lifetime why it was good for you. For all you know, this is something you're going through because it's a tikkun for your nefesh. For all you know, it'll get, it'll get better. We can't see too far in the future and we can never really know why me. But here's the challenge, what I want, to, want you to understand. The ability to fix things, the ability to be strong in challenge, the ability to be happy at downtimes comes when you don't ask why, but when you ask how. How do I stay strong? What can I do today? How do I make sure I keep my head up during difficult times? Your brain and your, your, your power, your kayak, has the ability to do amazing things. If you ask why me too early and too often, you're gonna drain your battery, not get your answer and feel exhausted. You don't know why you, maybe you will one day, maybe they will give it to you in, in next year, in a decade, for sure when you get up to Shemaim at 120, you'll know. For sure when Mashiach comes hopefully tomorrow morning, you'll know. But right now, you don't know. And the key is to make sure that you understand that your kayach, which is how to be stronger, how to be bigger, how to, you have so much kayachas that you need right now. You're going through challenge. You have to save your kayachas and you have to direct them to the place that you get to use to where you can overcome your challenge. You want to be happy again. You want to be connected again. You want to feel good every day. If you focus on how can I be better? How can I, how, if you ask the how questions and the what questions, what can I do to be happier? What can I do to, to, to fix this? What can I, when you ask those questions of your mind and of Hashem, you'll get insights and you'll get kayach to get there. But if you, if you dwell too much in the why me question, you'll end up not getting your answer, but more importantly, you'll end up being exhausted and not having the kayachas that you need to actually solve it, fix it, and make it better. A beautiful answer. I just want to mention also my wife's rabbi from Milwaukee, Rabbi Tversky. He always says when, when difficult things in life, he always says, if you ask why, it's not going to help you in any way. It's only going to bring you down quickly. How, maybe it's better. Okay, let's, let's do one more question over. It's actually really re pretty relevant, and I think it's a good question. You're on. Thank you for taking my question. Um, Mr. Harari, you are a very inspiring speaker, and I'm usually blown away from your shirim. Um, I feel that tonight what you are saying is all very inspiring, but to me it's nice and rosy. You're telling us that we need to meet our challenges and walk through them, one tefillah, one davening, but I'm in the trenches. I teach teenage kids today. We are losing our kids left, right, and center with corona. Our families are falling apart and we're not meeting our challenges and walking through them. In my circles, everybody's running off to Florida and running away. I need practical advice, real advice, what we can do to save them and to save Balyasrol. Okay, great question. Um, what I wanna make sure is clear to everybody is that the most practical thing you can do is the stuff that we're talking about. So I'm happy you asked it so we can make it more 
practical to you. There's a challenge in, into the challenge. And the challenge is that we can save Klal Yisrael. This is a major issue that we all have. We feel like we have the ability to save Klal Yisrael. Only the Abishter saves Klal Yisrael. We can't control their friends and where they move to. We can't even control most of the Jews in this world. Even when we say the words Klal Yisrael, we usually mean the neighborhood friends. We don't even have a Hasaga necessarily of Klal Yisrael, the kids in Wisconsin, the kids that are in, 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 in you know, South America. What's happening two neighborhoods from my home? It's just not our purview. That's not our game. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, it's um, something that is touching, that Jews care so much. But I want to make sure that we're not diffusing our energy by always looking over the people that are right in front of us. I want to make sure that when we deal with issues, our answers aren't big gadol, letting the prat totally pass through our eyes, not realizing that really the Kodesh Baruch Hu is the king and he places us in this world. Alpi the Ramchal and Derech Hashem and says, I'm giving you a job to do every single day. Do your job. Take on the mission I put before you. The two things that I hope we spoke about earlier that I'm so happy you asked so that the people that are thinking what you're thinking, I can drill down. It's not being rosy. We cannot survive unless we are positive. It doesn't even come to the realm of comprehension that Klal Yisrael can exist without Simcha. You don't get Ruach HaKodesh without Simcha. If you've studied Panimis, you understand that even the Arizal speaks about what happens when a Jew davens without Simcha. The idea that a Jew should be down isn't even part of how we see the world. The first thing you need to understand that if you don't approach life with simcha, with positivity, you're not going to get the si'ata deshmaya that you need to innovate, to adapt, to make moves, and to come up with ideas that you haven't thought of before. You cannot look at darkness and fight it with darkness. You fight darkness with light. That's why the Abishta gave us the candle of Hanukkah to take with us to the Gullus. It is the measure of life. You dispel darkness with light. Positivity is olive base. So as dark as it sounds, our ability to be besimcha is going to be half of the way we deal with our issues. Aleph, base. The greatest thing that we can do is to see what's in front of us and try to take that up to the next level. You, if it's what's in front of you is a school, great. If what's, what's in front of you is a child, amazing. If what's in front of you is Kalal Yisrael, if we are given the, if we get chosen to be on an institution, wonderful. But every one of us has in front of us multiple individuals that are in our concern that the Kodesh Baruch Hu says, here's, this is yours. The best thing that we can do, Bani Yisdaiti, is to start to come up with ways to continuously elevate those people. We don't gotta fix them. We don't gotta change them overnight. We don't have to make them different. The pressure 
of seeing somebody struggling, thinking that if I can't put them on the derech before they graduate from my classroom, their children and grandchildren are going to be part of the Adas Kairach and I'm going to sit and get to hunt. Forget that. The Abishta runs the world. The pressure we place on ourselves and on the kids sometimes ends up becoming the hardest part of the whole process. We have to realize, number one, we're part of the puzzle. We're not, we're not the only solution. Number two, what the Kodesh Baruch Hu puts in front of us is the most important thing for us. And by the way, if you have an idea for a program, if you see a bunch of kids that you can help, if you want to be the head of, a, of an organization, that's your problem. Amazing. The Rosh Yeshivas and, and the heads of, of base Yaakovs, okay. But I don't want to downplay every person that comes in front of us. And I don't want to think that it's being rosy by thinking that what I have to do is worry about the people in my life, in my community. I have to think past myself. I have to get involved in things. But sometimes we run the risk of being down. You hear this language. What's going to be with Klal Yisrael? What's going to be with Klal Yisrael? Maybe we should worry about Klal Yisrael. How about we stay a little bit simcha and worry about what's going to be with the people that are already in our lives and try to do something great and amazing for them today and every single day so that we add one little piece to long chain of their growth. It's not, it's not going to solve any big issues in a moment, but we will slowly chip away at the issues and we've, and, and we have no idea. We have no idea what we can do in the moments that we are totally connected and we want to do good for the Kodesh Baruch If we have big hasagas, it's wonderful, but we can never let the things that are in front of us be overlooked because we just keep on seeing a picture that is too big for us to change. And then we don't have the energy and the simcha and the excitement and the creativity to change the things that are in front of us. I got to tell you, there are people right now sitting at home and all they're really doing is trying to change the life of one child in your house. You're amazing. You're just as chashuv as anyone else in the world. Abisha decides what's in front of us. We have to hope to make big changes. But when we have that level of kayach and, and we realize that we're just playing Hashem's game and we believe it's Hashem anyways, we're just doing our part. I don't think it's rosy. I think it's just practically how we we try to make a difference every single day. Okay, Charlie, straight off to that, we're gonna go straight in, we're gonna take a little to the side, we'll get back, I have a bunch of questions people really, really wanna ask you, so I'm just letting you know. I know we have a cutoff point, so we're gonna to try to knock it in. We're like here to have Rebchayim Michal Gutman, who's director of Shuvu in, in Eretz Yisrael. Now that we spoke about what little what Shuvu is, they're doing a new initiative, they're learning Kala Terakul with the Talmidim, I want Rebchayim Michal to talk about that. And then Reb Mordechai Eisenberg, and even Reb A. Bitterman, who's there, can jump in and talk about what we could do practically in a positive note, right? Not not with the negativity, with the positivity to really make a difference and really help out and be part of it. Chaim Michal, please tell us what's going on in Israel and what this new initiative is all about. Good Chaydish to everybody and uh, good morning from Israel. It's nice to be in your program, very inspiring. And uh, I think the, the headline of your program, bringing out the best in uh, every child, that, that's exactly Shuvu and that's exactly Rapam who founded Shuvu. As uh, some of you might know, 30 years ago, when Shuvu was founded, that's when the Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael started from Russia, the second Aliyah. We had about a thousand Russians coming every day. And Rapam really felt that something has to be done for the Russian Aliyah. 
And he found it with his uh, Talmidim. We have some of them with us here tonight, uh, Mr. Biederman, Mr. Hoch, and uh, the late Mr. Knopf, Ramodechai Knopf. Uh, he asked his Talmidim to found, to found the organization called Shuvu, uh, and it started small, and it became a network of schools all over Ersisoyen, 77 institutions, which are taking children who come from backgrounds, difficult backgrounds like you were talking about uh, tonight, and taking children, imagine these children come from homes who don't know anything, almost anything in Yiddishkeit, and the school has to transform these children, knowing that their home is a, is a difficult home and a home that doesn't know anything about Yiddishkeit. So slowly, Shuvu made its, created its system of schools, kindergartens, elementary schools, and high schools. And what is the secret? We spoke about it tonight, Abu Hagari. What is the secret of Shuvu? It's very simple. I'll bring it up with a, with a case that happened in, in our school in Haifa. You had a couple who, uh, the, the, the wife was a teacher in a Shuvu school, and they were working with the child in school, and obviously not just in school, but also out of school. And he invited this girl to come for Friday night to uh, sue the Shabbos. They were sitting at the Shabbos table, the husband and the wife, believing that they would change the life of this girl. And the end of the end of the meal of the Shabbos meal with Miras and Divertoyo, suddenly this little girl heard a honk from a car outside, and she said, "Sorry, I have to leave." And the husband and the wife, the teacher, look at each other. We believed in this uh, little girl. Look what's happening. Her father or mother is outside to pick her up to take her home. So the teacher said, "No, we we still believe in this girl." And they went to the balcony and they looked down. And what did they see? They saw a car driving off slowly, a little girl walking next to the car mm. because the parents didn't want her to go alone home. She didn't want to go into the car in Shabbos. And she walked along the car till she came home. And the teacher was saying to the to her husband, these are the children, we have to believe in those children. And this girl, I was her to be at her Shevabochus when she got married, this girl, to a from boy. Uh, so what really Shuvu, what was installed in Shuvu by Rapam, who was the founder of Shuvu, was that the teachers believe in their students. The Minister of Education in Israel, a few years ago, noticed Shuvu, and they made us into example schools for the whole Minister of Education, and they wanted to understand why is our teachers different than other teachers in other schools that don't, don't succeed in bringing across and giving Yiddishkeit the way it's supposed to be, surely in the secular schools? And the answer, what they found was that the teachers believe, <coughs> sorry, the teachers believe in their students. <coughs> they believe in their future. And we have students who are amazing uh, and we're bringing out the best in our children in, in the schools. And that's why Shuba Bochashem has graduates today, uh, like we're going to speak about in a moment, but we, are, we, are, we set a goal now, which is an amazing goal. We're speaking about 30 years after Shuba was founded. It's grown today, not just to be for Russian children, but thousands of thousands of secular Israeli parents who are looking for education for the children are sending them to Shuba because they know that in Shuba, the teachers are dedicated teachers. The teachers are all Talmudim and Talmudot of Rapam, and continuing in the way of our palm and bringing out the best in every child. So we are, we are now at the 30 years, we'll hear more from Ramorechai Eisenberg, but we are in the 30 years of Shuvu, and we came up with an amazing, amazing goal. 
of finishing Kala Kula. We're speaking about Talmud Babli. We are speaking about the Tanakh, the boys and the girls of Shuvu and the graduates together. And we, it, when we started out, we saying, can we do this 2,700 and something Dafim? Who's going to take those, the, those uh, Dafim? But, but yesterday, a child who is a graduate of Shuvu, who's going to finish Shas by 18, he, he called us and said, I'm taking 70 Daf. And so the children of Shuvu in Shuvu right now, the children in Shuvu are learning with Chavrusus, with Avrechim, of Yaakov Koenig, Knesset Yisroy, which is a, which a network of Koelelim, are learning with the children. Every child is getting a Schottenstein, a, a Talmud Bavli, whatever he's learning, whatever Daf he's learning. And I'm, I'm sure that in many, many of the homes, this is the first time that a Talmud, that a Gemara is, is seen in the, in the house. So this is like something that's going to bring together the whole network, also the past, also the, also the, the present, and also all our donors and friends of Shuvu, because this is something that we're doing, and Rav Eisenberg will speak about it, is bringing together everybody to make a Atarale Melech. Rapam was called, his safe was called Atarale Melech. And really this we're doing in honor and in memory of Rapam, we're going to learn together and complete the mitzvah in another two months together with all of you. We're going to finish Kalatoikul the first time, I think, a network of Kiev schools, 77 institutions in Israel. Over a thousand teachers are right now working with, its, with the boys and with the girls. The girls are learning Tanakh. Graduates, girls, and, and families already. We have graduates who uh, built up families. The, the father is taking Dape Gemara in a course of Torah, what Shuva did for him. The mother is taking Tanakh. It's really something that's uh, amazing. And I think it fits exactly to what you're talking about tonight, bringing out the best in every child. That's, that's really what Shuva is doing. Robert Mordechai Eisenberg, please tell everybody listening on the program tonight what we could do to be part of it. Such a big schus. Thousands and thousands of kids that are from and not only that learning Kala Tariqa. What can we do? Great. Sounds good. Now, what can we do? Take away. Charlie, a lot of people are coming after you. I'm just letting you know. Get ready. Drink some coffee. Rabbi Eisenberg. I can make him hear his voice. Mute on mute. Lost the voice. Lost the voice. Sign. One second. Let's try again. One more time. Beer. Hello? Can you? Can you? Give him a minute. Give him a minute to figure it out. One minute. While he figures it out, maybe we'll go to one question. We have we have a lot of questions. Hmm? Eisenberg, go off and come back on, and we'll take a live question in between, okay? Sign out and sign in. Let's go to a live question. Hi. Hi, how are you? Thank God, how are you? Floor is yours. Okay, so basically my question is, I don't really know if there's an answer or there's just perspective, but basically, um, so you were saying how like you wake up every day and you're supposed to say like, oh, Hashem's going to do good for me, Hashem loves me, etc. The thing is about life is that practically we know that there's bad and there's good and he doesn't always do good for me. And there, obviously I see a lot of times when the struggle really helps and I totally see it and it's amazing, but it's a little bit stupid to wake up and be like, oh, he's gonna do good for me. Meanwhile, 
I've had very past behavior where he didn't like, you know how you say like you determine future behavior from past behavior. So maybe he's going to do good for me, or maybe he's going to put me another struggle that I'm going to have to deal with. And I don't want to. So like, if, how do I like, yes, I could. It just seems like naive almost to be like, Oh, he's going to do good for me. And yeah. I want to first say, I, I, whatever you're going through, I'm sorry. And Hashem should bless you with a life that is filled with goodness and sweetness. Thank you. You know, I, I feel for Hashem. Someone can get up in the morning and breathe. Four million things have to go right. He can give us a world where we have food, a world where things are safe and secure. He can do a million things for us, right? And not let, life isn't perfect and his own children or at a point where we look up and go, what do you do good for me? Like, as a son of Hashem, I feel like my dad is not being given the level of credit that he deserves. I don't mean, and I hope nobody thinks I mean that you wake up in the morning, although in the, if those who haven't learned Shara Bitochon 40, 50 times, you really should. And if we want to get into that world of Shara Bitochon, of what it means to have Bitochon Hashem and how that brings good, we can get there. I'm not saying that you wake up in the morning and go, Hashem's going to do good for me. And you wake up and as you walk down the street, the lights turn green. Everyone loves you and that things are perfect. I'm not saying that. Yeah. What I'm saying is the following. If you really think about it, the greatest, I know it doesn't feel that way physically, but the greatest gift that we have in our life is a chance to have a relationship with Hashem. If somebody, we had someone on a call recently that's getting divorced and she's broken over it. Hashem should bless her and her family to only see good things in Simchas. You see what it's like when someone's struggling in a relationship, what that does to everything else. The relationship with Hashem that we have is the most valuable thing we have. Now, if you grew up and thought that the Kurdish Baruch role in your life is to give you good things. If you grew up with the mentality of Hashem doesn't know me, Hashem doesn't necessarily like me, but I don't know. I was taught that if I dive in for things, I get stuff. So the Kurdish Baruch is outside and his job is to be a service provider for the life that you want. And even if it's the stuff that's from stuff, I want normal things. He's not delivering and I'm doing my job. If that's the relationship that we have with Hashem, you're outside and your job really Hashem is to just do things that work for me. And if you do enough good things for me, we're good. But the minute you, you lose your, you, your focus, just throw me a couple of curveballs, God, just, just try it. Give me a couple of bad days before I'm even 20 years old. And this is, Really? Believe in Hashem? What are you, Pollyanna? You're joking me? In Hashem? If we grew up in that mentality, of course, we judge the relationship with the Kurdish Baruch Hu by how he's delivering for us. He's, he's an Amazon delivery man. You bring packages, you get tipped. You stop delivering, I got to believe in you. It's, it's, it's really not, really, just believe in Hashem? That's not sophisticated. Sophisticated wake up in the morning and look at the things we don't have and go, really, where are you? I daven for it. By the way, I'm not downplaying people's 
crises. God forbid. People are going through some real things. And Hashem should bless them with sweetness to get over their issues. What I'm saying is that there's another way to connect to the Kodesh Baruch which is in a relationship where the relationship itself is valuable. Beyond what he gives us, beyond what he does for us, the fact that he wants me is so much more valuable than anything he's going to give me. And the fact that I know that his love for me is unconditional. You see, when you tie his love for his delivery systems, it gets complicated. But when you recognize Avas Olam Avtich, Kodesh Baruch is like, Bini Bukhari Yisrael, Benkach u Benkach Karimbanim, you're mine forever. When we start to process that and realize that the greatest thing we have really is Hashem, we live differently. We go through challenges differently. We talk to Him differently. If you don't speak to the Kodesh Baruch Hu in, in your native tongue, in, in addition to davening, if you don't ever spend your day walking and talking Ooh. to the Kodesh Baruch Hu, you're missing it. You're missing it. If we live like Yosef, we wake up in the morning sometimes, we can be by our father's lap learning Torah, we can be looking at the entire Egypt, or we can be in a dungeon. We wake up in the morning and we go, I have you, Hashem, anything's possible. That's not being out of reality. That's being a Jew. That's our gift that Hashem gives us. And when we work on that, that means it's hard in the beginning if you don't, that's uncomfortable to you. Some people can't even talk to Hashem in English. They can't. They don't know how. If they don't have a sitter, they don't know how to speak to the Kodesh Baruch Hu. It's okay. It's hard to turn to Hashem and go, I don't know why you gave this to me, but I know you love me. Really? I, but I, how do I know you love me? It's hard to like borrow a hole of a, a relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. But if we fight for this real, authentic relationship with my dad, we have everything, everything. And on good days, there's so much greater. And on difficult days, I can get through them. Because at the end of the day, the relationship that is most valuable is me and Hashem. I'm not saying God, no one should hear and say, oh, wake up in the morning and say, I love you, Hashem. And then he poofs miracles for you. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is the way you become great is when you realize that the Kodesh Baruch Hu's love for you is unconditional. And whatever you're going through, he's with you along the way. And when you have him, you have everything. And when you have hope for a better tomorrow, when you have the patience to look at what's right in front of you and try to be great today, Rabbi Nachman says, Hayom means just be great for one day. You can overcome challenges much better. In science, this is called micro-greatness. You want to be great, micro. Be great now. Live with Hashem now. One more, one more. And when you start to live this way, you start to tap into a piece of your self, your neshama in a way that's much deeper. And ben kachu ben kach. Whatever you're going through is different when you go through with the Kaddish Baruch So I hope that's a little clearer. And I understand for those that are used to davening for things, and we don't, and I'm the same way. 
I want good, sweet things in my life. I'm not, I'm just a regular dude, but the recognition that's possible in our relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu really is something that if we worked on it, we'd have, we really have everything. Thank you, Charlie. Amazing. We have some more questions. I want to say two things. I'm getting a lot of texts. Can, can you hear me this time? Yeah, yeah we got perfectly. you. Perfectly. Okay. All well, the people are texting about divorce and different technical things. We're, we're doing a share on that down the road. You can email Coach Benach at Gmail. We'll focus on that. I just a lot of people are texting different particular heart issues. And I want people to know that, that I, we see that and we're going to tackle that. Charles, if you want to come back for, for an aggressive one, we can take that one up. And okay. any topic, if anybody wants, send an email to Coach Benachem and we'll put it off. Okay, Robert Mordechai Eisenberg, we were talking before about Shuvah and the amazing project they're doing now with Kalatera Kula, and it sounds amazing. I want to know, Lamaisa, practically, what can we do to be part of it and to really help in any way that we can? Yeah, I just want to quickly reiterate that we're talking about something that's that's uh, never been done before on this scale. You're talking about 6,000 kids and many alumni of an organization that's built on everything we talked about tonight. Love, the love and believing in greatness of every single child and 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 no matter what, what they do next, they're all coming back and they're all very, very involved here. And we're finishing Kala Terakula at Shuvu. But, you know, the, for us, we can be involved too. They need us. They need us. They need to feel our support. They need to feel that we're doing it along with them and they can't do this alone. There are tutors. It's Kol HaTerakula. It's a tremendous chus for Kali Yisrael. It's a tremendous chus for them. They're going to remember it forever. Tomorrow's first time in the house. All we have to do is we can become sponsors. Obviously, this is expensive. It can, uh, Shuvu in general, um, needs, needs sponsors, needs the support of, of, of people in Chutz Laaretz, and that's how it was built by Pam. And if you want to, uh, if you want to contact the office to become a sponsor of any part, you can sponsor a Masechta, you can sponsor a Seder, you can sponsor the whole Seum too. We'll let you do that. Um, all you have to do is you have to call the office, 718-692-3434, or you can email missioncm at gmail.com. But there's another way. Not everybody can be a sponsor of a Masechta or a Seder. You, we're all going to learn together with the children of Shuvu. That means that if you want to be part of a seum like this, these are kids, the parents were not religious. Now they, some of them are. Some of the kids brought their parents back. Some of them, it was, terror was lost in their family for a couple of generations. They're back now. They're learning. We can show them support by learning along with them. We're going to be setting up a website where you can choose a section where you can see who at Shu who is learning that section. You can choose a daf. You can choose 10 blot. Or you can choose a Sefer in Tanakh, you can choose a Perak in Beratius, and you can partner and show your support by learning alongside a Shuvu child. They'll feel us supporting them. We'll finish Kalatirakul twice, once in Eretz Yisrael and once here. And the whole world will be involved in this special seum. And of course, once you're involved, you can support them another way. We're saying a micro-greatness. You can support them by sharing it with your friends and having them sponsor your blot. And then that gets delivered and that ensures that Shuvu can, be, can do this in the future. If you want to find out more about that program, please go to missionseum.org. Mission is M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Seum is S-I-Y-U-M.org. And you can enter your email address and we'll just keep you posted on how you can be involved. So again, please help us by sponsoring a Masechta something that's meaningful for you, if you can do that. Or you can help us, you can help the children of Shuvu by showing your support by just learning with us. Come learn with us. Go to missionseum.org. 
Right. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Everybody, one way or another can join, you know, whether by Mumman or just be part of it. I think it's a tremendous thing. I guess let's go to closing again. I, we had a bunch more questions, right? Ferrari, we got to go? You can do one or two more, no problem. One or two more? Okay. I'm asking you before. Okay. Monkey? Okay. You're on, Monkey. Um, I was wondering, I know we're discussing that we want to stay positive and that's like the biggest thing that we can do to help us be able to get through whatever our challenges are. But in regards to our children, Great. it's very easy for an adult to look at that. But how do you get a child to stay positive? What can you say to them to keep them motivated to want to continue through when they're having challenges? Oh, oh I love this question. I'm so happy you asked that. Okay, first of all, thank you for recognizing that positivity, well, let's use the word simcha, because simcha is a deeper aspect, is the pathway to change. People don't get that. People think I've got a problem, I solve it, and then I become happy. It's a total backwards. For sure in Ruchnius, for sure in our Mesora, but also in science and psychology, right? The positivity is actually the pathway to success. It's not the result of success. This is a big misconception. It, the challenge doesn't get solved and then you're happy. You become, and it's hard, like, well, why should I be happy? If things are going wrong. You have to dig in, find a deeper source of happiness, be positive, and that kayak is actually what helps you get through your challenge. It's a, it's a misconception that you nailed that I hope everyone hears. The positivity is the path. Okay, how do you get it to your children? Two things. There's a lot of things. I want to give you two. Number one, Role modeling. Many times in life, when kids struggle, they look to an adult to learn how to cope. They ask themselves, how do I get through this? And they look up and see an adult. I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in Canarsie, Brooklyn. My grandmother, uh, she, my, my grandmother lived in Flatbush on Ocean Parkway. And we'd go for the holidays. And my remember we were driving home from Ocean Parkway, for those who are familiar with the Brooklyn streets. And some of the streets get pretty rough. You know what I'm saying? Like post Shavuos, 10, 30, 11 o'clock till you pack the car out. I'll never forget, I was a kid. We drove by, we had a red light somewhere in between Ocean Parkway and, and 80th and J. And it was a rough corner. 10 Chevra hanging out on the corner. We're parked at a light and I'm like losing it. Never forget this. I look up, I see my dad. If my dad would have been losing it, I would have been losing it. My dad seemed totally fine. I'm like, he must know. And I go back to sleep. When, whenever kids struggle, they look to an adult. But they don't look to see what, an, let me, let's be clear. They don't look to see what an adult says. Kids don't buy that. Understand something. Kids don't listen to you. That's not what kids do. Kids hear you. But they hear you in your intonation, in your mind, in your actions, in your beliefs. If a parent, if a teacher, if a mentor, if a Rebbe, if a Rebbe, if an adult models the way to deal with challenge, patience, muna, bitachon, positivity, hope, models it authentically, there is so few things as chashuv that you can do to teach that to a kid. And by the way, you may not see it for a decade. That kid may give you a hard time and be 25 till finally you see them in a situation and go, and they might not even know that it came from you. Number one, you have to role model everything that you want your kids to know. 
It doesn't get in until it's in you first. Number two is after situations, when emotions are done, if you have the relationship, you debrief with them. Debriefing is so hush of, in fact, in the Navy SEALs, that was the most important thing they put in that makes them as, that as great. It's the debrief post-operation, not during. During is too emotionally crazy. If you can, after the situation, at a moment's break, on a Shabbos meal, on a walk, when all the emotions have calmed down, you debrief. How are you feeling? Let me tell you what I was thinking. We got to always stay positive. I heard this great story. And you give your kids a chance to talk through stuff with you in a, and you put a positive spin when it's over. That will help them to the next. They may not help them in the past challenge, but it'll help them in the next challenge. Yeah, one more. Let's hop around one more. Now, I, I, I want to tell you a good story that I heard from Yossi Ben Shushan. Amazing story. Okay, Rifki. Um, okay, hi. Thank you so much for taking my question. And I must thank you for this amazing workshop. I'm really enjoying it. Thank the you. question that I have kind of touches on what you just answered, except it's more of a question of not positivity, but connection to Hashem. So I feel like over the past number of years, I've grown so much in my connection to Hashem. And what you had talked about, how it's hard to have an ongoing conversation with Hashem as opposed to davening is the opposite for me. I don't connect so much to davening, formal davening, as much as I'll be in the car and I'll just, even in, the, in my kitchen, I'll have private conversations with Hashem. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll ask him for our guidance, for help, for things that I'm going through. But I don't feel that I'm successfully giving over to my children how to connect with, Hash with Hashem on that level. I don't know if it's because they're too young for that. I don't know if it's like, it did take me time to get to that level. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because my connection with Hashem is, is I'm not a type of person that says, oh, thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. It is, it's more of a personal thing. And mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know how I can model the behavior and teach my children that, you know, to, to have that type of a relationship with Hashem, which is essential. I know that, and I want to save them the years of hardship by not connecting with Hashem, you know, and also if you have any advice on how to connect with tefillah a little more so that yeah. it makes it easier for me to my children, for my, you know, to teach my children how to have that special relationship. Yeah. Awesome question. Thank you for asking it. And it's really a continuation of the last question. In my humble opinion, here's what I, what I would, how I would approach it. Tefillah is super powerful, right? We don't understand tefillah because growing up, not, I don't know about your school, but where I grew up, they didn't, even teach us anything about tefillah. You just davened in the morning and then you went to breakfast and you started like learning Gemara. That's, or Chumash or whatever. So maybe in your schools are different where they're even teaching you Pirish Amilim. But I, I wanna give you a sense, a little bit of what, from the little that I understand of the yam of tefillah. Tefillah is like code. Every word you're saying is not just a word. It's letters that are connected to things that we can't even dream of. What's taking place when we say Hebrew words that are lined up from us, from our Chachamim, is we're literally building worlds. And from the vast majority of people that will never delve into the Kabbalah of Tila, they'll never see it. We, we don't even know the words, let alone the impact. But understand that when we daven the words that are given to us, we are doing things to our Neshama and to the world that we can, we can never really fully appreciate. 
So we never, we can't replace it because it doesn't feel as good. How do we make it better? So I'll take a page out of, you know, sort of what we've been learning growing up. And the halacha, which is, it's better to say less with more depth than more with, with very little. So here's what I would suggest. If you don't, you should daven in front of your children. Like you should be davening tefillah in a sitter in view of your children, even if they're playing, even if they're not interested. They should have pictures of mommy with a sitter davening because those pictures will be so critical for their, their growth. You should pick tefillos that you can begin with and say them super slowly almost as if like lahavdil like when you drink coffee for the coffee drinkers over here you know real coffee drinkers don't drink iced coffee personally the people that are drinking coffee at 10 o'clock at night on their whatever umpteenth cup know that iced coffee come on you have to sip coffee coffee is not a drink it's an experience it's a relationship that you have with coffee you don't gulp tefillah, even though you have shachas that go like 27 minutes. God bless everybody. You sip tefillah. And sometimes the geschmack gets lost because we're like getting through the words. Pick, whatever it is that you're doing. Ask your local rabbi for a psak. I'm just giving you advice. I'm not paskining what you should and shouldn't say and go super slow, like super slow. The words, the words like seep. And even if it's for a little bit every day, you are training yourself to connect to tefillah in a way that you may not have connected when the goal is get through as much as I can and still take care of the family. And in just those few minutes every day of going slowly in front of your family you have no idea what you could be doing. And if you did that, it wouldn't overwhelm your schedule and would begin the process of reconnecting your heart with the heart of Tila. Charlie, amazing. Thank you so much. Um, let's go to closing. Uh, first, again, I want to a big thank you for Shuva for putting this event together tonight. It's absolutely unbelievable. I'm getting texts and emails. Charlie, you have to come back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's an honor to be back. And for, there's a bunch of people waiting to ask. I want to apologize for everybody who's you know waiting to ask and a lot of questions coming in, a lot of different topics. Not everything is so on key for tonight, but we're gonna we have a lot of programs about that. And against the really fine still coming on tonight. It's so uplifting and Charlie Harari. I just want to end up with one little twist that I just it just came to my mind. I heard a story from Yoshi Ben Shushan. I'm gonna really cut the story very, very short because we're running late. But basically, in short, a mother was having a difficult time with one of her kids. And Yossi Ben Shushan does you know, like a little therapy, you know, some struggling teens. And uh, the child didn't want to come to him in no interest. And about a year later, what happened was the mother dropped off a check by his door and said, uh, and called him up and said, here's a check for my child. So he said, your child's not coming. He says, I'm donating for somebody else's child. And in that course, maybe my child will come back one day. And he said he had to hold his mouth back from saying to the mother, your child just knocked on my door three days ago and asked me for help, even though he can't pay for it. Wow. Close to that story, you could see you have an organization like Shuvu and there's kids that are don't have the from parents and are coming from, you can look at the videos. I watched one today, I was crying. That's not only she's from, she's she's a teacher in the school and she has from kids in there. So in the schuss of helping out Shuvu, whether it's Mamana or getting involved learning, 
This chus could be unbelievable. So I thought that story was very apropos. Again, tonight, this is share number 36. It's all recorded. It's going to be on menachembernfeld.com. We're going to email it out to everybody. If you have any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. Charlie Lorari is going to give out his personal cell phone number. You can call him all night tonight with any other questions you have. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Special. Um, again, this is share number 36. It's all pre-recorded. Um, if you want to listen, it will be up tomorrow, Mr. Shem, on the phone as well, 848-777-GROW, uh, which is 4769. It's also on Apple uh, Podcast and Spotify. Again, a special thank you to all the advertising sponsors, Lakers Scoop, for streaming us. There was hundreds of people today screamed on that weren't on. Thank you to Rabbi Anif Chazak, and of course, Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Sov and JCN. Let's go to closing. Coach Menachem Bernfeld, closing words. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. First of all, Shuvu, for putting this together, and Charlie, the information tonight, like we heard, the real um, change in perspective for many people. Very, very solid. And I just want to tell the audience, um, not everybody is there. And uh, like I always say, we, we got to get there. But the problem is, like we mentioned, we want to fix. We want to fix the world, fix our kids, fix ourselves. And when we hear what we heard tonight, we're like, okay, so what am I going to do right now? I, have, I can't stay where I am. And that itself drains the tank. So a little bit of self-validation. And even when you're going through some negativity in, in your mind and it's, it's, it's telling yourself, I'm not supposed to be here. Charlie said positive, positive, but I'm negative. It's okay. Understand just by thinking, it's okay. I don't like the way it is. And I do feel some negativity and take a deep breath. Yes, you are going through a challenge, not easy. And slowly you can let in the, you can let the, validation the negativity a little bit be there don't push it away and slowly the positive can come in with it a little bit of a smile and slowly get out of it okay. same thing with fixing our kids it's it's sometimes by fixing like we heard before by fixing it can make it much worse just just be there for them just be there don't try to change anything this is where they are now can you be there for them this is where I am now. Can I be here for myself just now? Just sit there. So thank you very much. And Amit Hashem, we'll see the Oilem, the Amit Hashem Sunday. And thank you, Shubu and Charlie. Thank you very much. Charlie, you ready for closing? Yeah. It's just a couple of things. And I just want to say one thing. I think after tonight's year, we're going to change your name to Rabbi Charlie. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Appreciate the smicha. First of all, I want to begin by thanking Shuvu. Earlier, someone said, how can we change the world? Here's a way to change the world. Get involved in Shuvu. The opportunity that you have to learn with somebody or to connect to them or to help them, just this one group alone could totally change Shuvu. Shuvu is going out there and seeing the greatness in other people by just being a part of them and attaching yourself to them, whether it's through learning what they're learning or supporting them financially, you're doing something for Kali Yisrael that's maybe beyond the world. Um, so really, really, really consider it. There's such a great organization to see the best in people. And this is the time where we have to show each other how much we care for each other. Go to their website, get involved in that incredible Siyam HaTayra, give them something small. You can... If you, if you think you can't make a difference, you don't fully appreciate who you are. And if you do it with Shuvu right now, you're taking something on. I want to I give two or three practical things that people can do. This whole Hashem relationship thing is challenging, but it's everything. 
here's my suggestion. And I wanna give two or three things. If you do with it, amazing. If you don't, I understand. What Coach Menachem said was credible. And he's a million percent right. Which is, you don't gotta feel it. You have to be you. It, it, the sense of being there for people and, and giving yourself a break is massive. We're so pressured. We think if we stumble, we failed. We think that if we're not making it, then we've lost. We think if we hit a challenge, then we're the treadmill of our life is thrown. It's not how it works. It's not how it works in the Kurdish Baruch Hu's mind. Nobody was sent to a bigger uh, detour in life than Yosef, and he ended up being on top. Let the Kurdish Baruch Hu worry about timeline. Our job is worrying about being great today. Let me give you two or three practical things, and, um, and, and I'll close. If you don't do this already, I want to give you something that, that I believe will change your life. And if you try it for one, one month or two weeks, guaranteed. Sometime in your morning routine, morning or night, whenever you're done with it, when your day isn't usual, Take out your phone, put on your clock for three minutes and sit down and talk to Hashem. And for those who haven't done it, it's going to be really awkward. You're going to be like, hi. And then you're just going to ask him for stuff because you've never once spoken to him that didn't ask him for anything. And then you're going to learn how to just share your day and tell him how much you love him and tell him how much you wish you had a relationship with him. And tell him how lucky you are to be his daughter and how you look at the world and you can't imagine going through this virus not part of Kali Yisrael. You do it for three minutes a day for a month. You're going to build a real relationship with the Kodesh Baruch. He's going to be your best friend. He's going to be your Rei Mahuvim. And it's going to change your whole way of looking at this world. Number two. If you have someone in your life that's younger than you, a child, a student, a nephew, a niece, someone that's younger, it's easier with younger. It applies to people that are older as well, but it's easier. I want you once a week just to look at them. Don't say anything because it's going to get weird. Just look at them and try to see the godless in them. Just look at them. Train your eyes to seeing the godless in other people. And it's easy when they're little and you start doing it with them and you start doing it around. You're gonna see the greatness in other people. I wanna share with you that one of the most powerful things that ever happened to me in my life, that when I was in senior in high school, I was disinvited from a school function because I don't know why. I wasn't exactly the best student. For those of you who aren't good students, I mean, I lived in the principal's office. I paid rent in the principal's office. We almost got a deduction from the school because they didn't need me in the chairs in the rest of the classrooms. My mother, God bless her, had down the pat. She used the, his grandparents survived the Holocaust so many times as a way to get me to stay in the school. You can't believe. But I was a good kid. I just couldn't sit. I ended up in the principal's office and they had this event at the end of the year that I thought I would get invited to. Like you didn't have to, it wasn't like math tutoring. It was like, you know, school rah, rah, rah function. And they didn't invite me. I was 17. I remember being, I remember being in the school and thinking to myself, I thought I was a good kid. 
Maybe I'm a bad kid. Like I remember thinking, wait, maybe they know something I don't know. Maybe they realize that I'm really a bad kid. I thought I was like a good kid that couldn't sit. Huh. I'm a bad kid. And that moment I realized, I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad influence. I was broken. I always thought I was a good kid. My mom thought I was a good kid. My dad thought I was a good kid. I guess the school knows better. I went home. I was in 12th grade. That night, my ninth grade teacher called. Listen to this. Ninth grade. He said, I was walking by the hallways and I saw the list of the people that went to this Shabbaton that you weren't invited to. Man, they don't know you. You can't sit, but you're a good kid. 30 seconds. Change my life. Change my life. Not that I've done anything, but every decision I made for the next two years, that man's voice was ringing in my ears. You're a good kid. You have no idea what a positive word, what a positive look can do to people around you. You have no clue. You have no clue how much a smile, a positive outlook, expressions of Amuna, telling someone you'll be okay, telling someone you're fine, you're a good kid. Even if it's in your eyes, but especially in your mouth, you have no clue what it can do. And you may never know, but don't give up the opportunity to change people's lives every single day. Don't wait for the big moments. They don't come. That's not real. Life is in the small moments. If every day you talk to Hashem for a few days, for a few minutes, and if you start to realize you can blow people up through your eyes and your words, in my humble opinion, you are unlocking the greatness in yourself and you are unlocking the greatness in others. And there's no better work, in my opinion, than that. Hashem should bless everybody to feel the Abishter in your life and to have lives filled with not only Tova, but Misuka. We should be Zoha soon with what's going on in this world. We should be Zoha soon to do a show like this live in Yerushalayim after we get the barbecue from the base of Megdash, sitting back and saying, ah, I get it. I see all the pieces. It made sense. It makes sense. We should be Zoha to see those days together with our brothers and sisters in Klal Yisrael. Amen. Thank you so Thank much, Father. Thank you. See everybody, usual Sunday, 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. From Israel, Dr. Jacob Friedman from the Shmuel Magazine. Take care, everybody. Good night.